listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Another episode of Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cinema Geekly's Marvel Podcast. It's Anthony and Rory here talking the final episode of Marvel's Iron Fist Season 1. Will there be a Season 2, Aurora? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I really don't think there will be. I mean, unless... Uh, I mean, we'll have to wait to see what they do with him in the miniseries. Yeah. Maybe they'll do something. Yeah. I think that's what's going to determine it. Um, yeah. If they can make people like him. Yeah, if they spark <laughs> something the defenders, there. Then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, we only got the one episode to talk about, the finale, but there is more to discuss. There was a Defenders trailer, mm. uh, which came out. And, of course, this is the Marvel podcast. We don't do this enough on here. I'm sure I'm going to say this right now. And I'm, I will get an email that will come in that'll be like, "Well, hey, then how come you don't talk about Agents of Shield?" And that's a very good question. <laughs> the answer is, I watched the first two seasons. Uh, I actually watched season one, season two, and then like half a season three. And then just we were watching so many shows and doing podcasts for so many things. It just sort yeah. of fell by the wayside, and I haven't watched the show since then. And I also felt like we were. The sh- by the time we started Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had already been on for like two seasons, I think. Yeah. And it felt like a weird jumping in point. It didn't feel like there was a good jumping in point. Um, so that's why we haven't done it. Uh, but because this is the Marvel podcast, and because because we haven't had time to do a regular Cinema Geekly podcast, Aurora and I will discuss Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So Yes. Which uh, I am eager to talk about, because... Jen, uh, Jen has not, she was unable to go with me and the kids to go see it uh, because of work scheduling. And she is looking to have like the 21st off or something. We're going to go see it then. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have not been, I, and she doesn't want to be spoiled. So I can't sit there and be like, (laughs) this happened. And then this, oh, and this hilarious part and this joke, or I can't see anything. So I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it yet. So this will be my first chance. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let's talk about uh, what we're here to talk about primarily, and that is Season 1, Episode 13 of Iron Fist, called Dragon Plays with Fire. Uh, Harold enters Rand Enterprises and takes control of it. Rand and Colleen go to Bakudo's facility, which is abandoned by the hand. Well, not entirely abandoned. Madame Gao is still hanging out there, <laughs> all alone. Yep. With no food and no water, which tells which tells you another thing or two probably about Madame Gao. Uh, and she reveals that it was not her that killed Danny's parents. Harold was the mastermind of the plane crash 15 years prior. Ward tells Joy about Harold's actions. She confronts him 
who and uh, he denies framing Danny. She leaves for an unknown destination. That's a weird way for her to go out. Mm-hmm. Ward allies with Danny's team to try to defeat Harold. Um, a uh, the is it Ward who goes in? Is it Ward who's spotted by Harold, uh, or is it? Yeah, Danny? I mean, yeah, he was just placing oh, the call. Yeah, 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 Ward. Ward goes in. Harold sees him, wounds him. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire creates a distraction for Danny and Colleen to infiltrate the building. Harold instructs his men to shoot Rand since the Iron Fist is not bulletproof, after all. Just mm-hmm. has a glowy hand, you guys. <laughs> um, Danny and Colleen manage to overpower Harold's operatives while Danny acquires evidence, uh, or Ward acquires evidence of Danny's innocence. The latter follows Harold to the rooftop where Danny and Harold fight uh, until Ward arrives and shoots Harold, who falls to his death, and Ward has the body cremated. Presumably Mm -hmm. he will not be coming back from that. I mean, yeah, I hope so. Uh, Danny convinces (laughs) Colleen to accompany him to Kunlun, uh, and in a meeting with Joy, ah, see, we do see Joy later, Mm -hmm. she's meeting with Davos, and he tells her that Danny must be killed, which is overheard by Madame Gao. Uh, Danny and Colleen arrive at the gate of Kunlun, only to find it closed and surrounded by the bodies of slain hand assassins. Okay, so what did you think of the finale, Aurora? Uh, oh my, I have so many notes. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Oh, dive in. <laughs> but uh, I, I just have to say this because I thought it was funny, the mm-hmm. fact that the, they ended the season... With like a literal cliffhanger, <laughs> indeed, right? Like they were On a standing cliff, over a cliff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that was on purpose, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> that's why it's called cliffhanger. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, where to start? I there were a lot of things in this episode that I I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number one thing was joy. Yeah, I that final hopes. scene, I just don't understand it. Right, because because of the uh, you know when she, she first of all she's in the hospital mm-hmm. recovering from from being shot. Yes, By and she decides to leave. Yes, the hospital and she's like walking, <laughs> like yep. in pain, but she still um, goes and confronts Harold about framing Danny. Uh huh. And she seemed pretty upset about that. Yeah, and he's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, I didn't. And then she leaves, presumably, because she didn't believe him. She's, like, disgusted and left. Right, right. Um, But then at the end, when she's talking to Davos, and and he says that they have to kill Danny, she's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? There's one thing we can agree on here. The whole Meacham thing is a complete and utter mess. Yes. These characters are so... Like, from one episode to the next, they're completely different characters every yeah, they're episode. They're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they, I, defy you, I defy you to show me two episodes con- in concurrence, like, where there's... Like, episode 11 and episode 12, where they're behaving the same way. Yeah. And I, I, I went online and I, I tried to look for some sort of... Um, clarification on that because I I felt like I missed something. 
Yeah. Are, um, they, are like all three of them schizophrenic or something? Do they have multiple <laughs> personality disorders? I mean, I saw someone on Reddit saying that um, she's just she just wants to uh, control the company. She wants mm-hmm. to be the one leading the company, and that's what's motivating her. But uh, I never saw that. She 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 always was very concerned about Danny. She was always the one defending him um, to the company. Yeah. So I don't understand why now she feels like it's okay to kill him. I that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and it's not. It doesn't even stop with her. Obviously, like Ward's a different character from one episode to the next. Yeah. Like one episode, he hates his father to the point that he's willing to kill him. The next episode, he's teaming with him again. The next episode, oh, my dad's turning on you. Let me help you. Yeah, like, I mean, even in this episode, he sh- he's the one that shots, uh, that shoot uh, Harold. Yep. But then when they are cremating him, he's like crying. I guess. I, <laughs> I was like, what happened? What is this? Yeah, right. I don't know. The only person for whom this family arc thing worked at all was Danny. Because Danny believed this is like, oh my God, this guy's like a second father to me. It's the closest thing I have to family. You know, only to find out that like Harold turns his back on him. Yeah. And it only really happens once. Like Harold doesn't turn his back on Danny to his face once. And then mm-hmm. Danny's like, oh, you must be destroyed. And then the next week they're friends again. Yeah. Like, the only person <laughs> it's ever effective with is Danny, with his own family. Like, they stab each other in the back every week. And they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Let bygones yep. be bygones, I guess. I still love yep. you, Dad. Mm-hmm. So horrible. Yeah. I hated this. <laughs> I, I, here's how I was hoping this was going to end. I was hoping that Ward shoots Harold. And he goes off the building, right? Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans over, and there's Joy. She'd just seen the whole thing. And she oh, goes, yeah. no, Dad, I'll save you. And then she jumps off after him. And then Ward's like, oh, no, what have I done? And then he jumps off, and then they're just all dead. <laughs> they all die. Yeah. Or, like, or you know. Credits. Like, d- yeah. And it's just, d- Danny looks at the camera and gives a big thumbs up. And there's, like, a little sparkle on his tooth. The thumbs up with the glowing fist. <laughs> that would be so awesome. You just get like a little ding and like a freeze frame and then roll credits. Uh, five stars. This episode would have been five geeky glasses had they done that. Or if like unbeknownst to them, Danny had tied ropes to all three of their waists. So when Harold when Harold goes over, he just pulled the rest of them. Um, I just I hate these characters so much. I hate them so much. Uh, and by this episode, and especially by this episode, because we were like, I'm like, you know, Rora, let's just hold out hope. There's probably going to be an arc for Joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not really. It was more of like a weird loopy circle that yeah. she went in. It wasn't really an arc. She kind of just went around in a weird circle. It wasn't like a perfect circle. It was all sorts of deviations in it. But she basically ended up where she started at. Yeah, um, and it, it, it was so confusing, too. Like I, when that scene happened, I was like, one, where is she? Yeah. Two, why is she meeting with Davos? Like, th- there's no setup. Where did, where did any of this come from? Yeah. Yes. Does she even know Davos exists? Maybe there was like a <laughs> scene, I think, where she'd seen Davos with Danny when they were talking to Harold, maybe in the apartment. Uh, I uh, I can't remember. Maybe. You know, maybe she thought Davos was hot and was like, hey, text me or something. And that's <laughs> yeah. how they know. But we have no idea how they know each other or met right, each other. Yeah. or any. I don't know. Um... So look, there uh, obviously there was the people who made this show thought there was going to be a second season, 
because the uh, they did do the cliffhanger. Unless this cliffhanger leads into the miniseries. Uh, if that's the case, then you know maybe there isn't a second season plan. But they're certainly acting like there's going to be one. Yeah. Um, I'm so mad at this Meacham stuff. I know Claire was in this episode, but I don't remember anything she did or said. Well, I have in my notes Claire and then equals truth bomb because she was she was like delivering everybody uh, like just telling oh, everybody yeah. the truth like when everybody she... had awful ideas yeah. in this episode and she was like are you kidding me no we're not doing this <laughs> and she nailed she nailed Danny and and uh Colleen to the wall as well she's like yeah both of you guys are more alike than you realize. Like, your solutions to everything is, like, to turn to violence first. Yeah. And she's just like, I can't I can't hang around this, you guys. This is, this is not <laughs> safe. And it's like, oh, maybe that's how, like, the Colleen-Danny romance, like, it doesn't seem like she's like him on the surface, but, like, underneath she's more like him than she was willing to admit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then she was called out by Claire. They're both kind of called out, but... Um, yeah, I remember that. Uh, there was there was at least one really cool thing in here, and it's clear that they spent the entire visual effects budget on this one shot mm-hmm. when Danny does like the Iron Fist like like ground slam, yeah. whatever it is, where it, it like blows out all of the ground and the windows and the building, and that was all really cool. Yeah. Uh, and the fight at the end with Harold was fine, I guess. Was it so- it was all right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you have like uh, just a, I, I don't know if he's immortal, but he's a normal guy. Yeah. Even though like Harold, even though he can't technically die, yeah. he still is a normal guy and he's fighting against a superhero. Yeah. And I felt like most of the fight, Harold was kicking his ass. The, um, yeah, the. I mean, that, that was the first thought that came to my head. It's like, we've seen Harold, like, working out with some combat training. That's like, true. He's, he's hitting the bag. He's not, like, a defenseless wimp. But at the That's same true. time, and even though, and look, they have they have gone on to say that Danny Rand is not, like, he, he was chosen as the Iron Fist, but he has not completed his training. So he mm-hmm. is not, like, as Iron Fist as he should be. Um, but even then, he's still, like, the Iron Fist of Kunlun. He should have handled this dude in seconds. Really. Right, and yes. he didn't. But I mean, you know, they they couldn't, I guess, because you can't have your your big bad villain fight at the end last, you know, five seconds. But um, you know, they did the bit where he shot him in the the iron fist hand. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess that would prevent him from from summoning his chi or whatever, presumably. Um, so I guess they were trying to find ways to work around that. But even then. Danny should have schooled him a little bit faster yeah. than he did. But, yeah. Uh, what you gonna do? Uh, do you have more to add? I can tell you what was my favorite part of this episode, Ooh, by um, which was uh, the whole scene with Madame Gao. Because mm. <laughs> one, I love Madame Gao. I think she's yeah. a very interesting character, um, yes. and I liked. I wrote them down because I love the lines. Um, she, Danny's trying to like get the um, information. Uh, about the tablet, mm-hmm. um, and she, and Colleen says she's lying to you, and Madame Gao responds with, "I have never lied to him. Can you say the same?" And ah, I was like, "Oh, she got her. Yeah, she got her." And then after when they enter the room, um, Madame Gao uh, says to Danny, "It's no mystery 
why you're so such a poor iron fist. Ah, yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Thank you, Madam Gao. <laughs> Coming with the truth. Uh, Coming with the truth. Yeah. yeah, so she's, yeah, she's, I mean, obviously we know she's bad. Mm-hmm. But you never really know what's going right. on with her. Right. Like, which side, which side of the fence is she really playing? Yeah. How bad is she really... That sort of thing. What what are what are her motivations? What are her goals? Like mm-hmm. you don't you never really get it. She's very mysterious in that sense. Still, mm-hmm. um, you know who does she report? Clearly, she is not the highest up in the hand. Mm-hmm. Like you know who does she report to? Like she's got force powers. Like what does the person above her got? Yeah, um, there's a lot of mystery surrounding her still. So, and I feel like a lot of that's probably going to get addressed uh, when we get to the miniseries. So we'll talk about that in a moment, I guess. Uh, do you got a score for the final episode? Uh, 3.5. Yeah, that's exactly what I gave it. And I also wrote next to it here, a dis- well, I wrote before it, a disappointing 3.5. Yeah. Uh, I mean, three- I was a little bit excited. Uh, did you notice that uh, when Claire leaves the dojo, she she picked like a set of claws? Mm, yeah, she took the Wolverine claws. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Well, she said these are mine, I think, right? Yeah, but is that like setting her up to be like, oh, maybe. like a specific character? Um, she might get involved. Because I thought she was the night nurse, right? So, so yes. Is this the night nurse fight? Mm, I don't, don't think so. I don't think so, but maybe this is, how, maybe this is their way of getting Wolverine into the... To the like the Marvel Cinematic Universe this is as close as they can get since Fox owns Wolverine. <laughs> They'll just put Claire Temple and put like the 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 wolfy fangs or like the claws on her. She will be an amazing Wolverine, by the way. She would be pretty great. Yes. Um. So <laughs> overall, like this was a disappointing finale. Three point three and a half is three and a half Kiki glasses is not a bad score. It's mm-hmm. you know, in fact, it's you know relatively above average for the most part. Uh, but it's not great, and it's mm-hmm. not spectacular or whatever. You'd expect, I and I certainly expected more from a finale. Um, and it basically left the show where I started it, which was, it's the worst of the Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was by no means a train wreck. It was right. nowhere near the horrible show that some reviews led me to think it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen worse. Yeah, like I mean, he had good moments. Yeah, there were good moments, and there were some good character moments, and yeah. there are some interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little, they're a little short on the likable characters, right? Um, but you know, I didn't really like Walter White, but I was mm-hmm. fascinated by. I mean, look, this is this is so horrible right now. I'm sure somebody's like. Are you comparing Danny Rand to Walter White? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm just saying in so much as that it's possible for there to be a character that I don't relate to or like, but that I can still be fascinated by. Mm-hmm. I wasn't fascinated by Danny Rand. I'm just saying it's possible for not every main character has to be a likable, lovable character. Right. Uh, I wasn't fascinated. I understood his character, I, but I I didn't relate to it and I didn't find him likable and I wasn't overly fascinated with it. He was kind of just there. He was a suitable character for this show. I mean, and, and we've part. seen we've seen uh, not likable characters in these shows. Like Wilson's Fisk, I, I don't like him, but no, I love his character. Yeah, uh, he's he does such an amazing non likable character. Yes. 
<laughs> oh, so, a, you know, yeah. they know how to do it. I don't know what happened. Don't even get me started on his uh, his flashback episode because yeah. it's <laughs> one of my favorite TV episodes of anything I've ever watched. It was mm-hmm. so good. Um, so, yeah, it's – I don't even want to say bittersweet. Like, I don't know, somewhere in between bittersweet and bitter because I'm not bitter about it. But it's not really bittersweet either. It's just kind of there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage are shows that I would watch again. Yeah. This With is... this one, I, I like I saw it. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I don't need to watch it again. This is, yeah, this show will fit into the category of I will watch it again if I decide to binge watch everything to the Defenders. And right. I have to watch Iron Fist to get there. I will watch it and I will get through it. Just like how I watched the first couple of seasons of Enterprise when I have to watch that show when I start <laughs> blowing through Star Trek. Like, I'm not a big fan of those first two seasons or the first few seasons of that show, but, you know, I I get through them. I'm mm-hmm. okay. There's, like, some episodes of the original series that I really have to try to force myself to stay awake through. But I do it <laughs> because I'm crazy and I feel the need to sometimes go through everything and watch it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, but this is not one of those, like, I can go back and watch, I can just go back and watch Daredevil from beginning to end or Jessica Jones from beginning to end. This is not yeah. one of those shows where I'm just like, hey, let's just watch Iron Fist again. Right. That's probably not going to happen. So uh, it'll happen when it's like, well, I finished watching Luke Cage. Time to watch Iron Fist because that's what comes before the Defenders. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the Defenders, Aurora, Netflix released the first trailer for it. Mm-hmm. And I presume you've seen it. Yep. Uh, what did you make of it? Um, well, the main thing that I, I liked about it is the fact that you can see that they don't like uh, Danny. <laughs> no. Well, the story... <laughs> now, what I've been told, though, also, is um, what, I, what I've read about the show from people who've talked about it, um, none of them really like each other at all. Like, they, they don't... The, the, I guess the idea is that they never really turn into the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like they're a partnership of convenience. Yeah. Whereas like the Avengers kind of fought at first, but then they came together as a team and they're kind of friendly afterwards. Yeah. You know, even for as, for as often as Tony Stark and Steve Rogers have their spats, you know, they're still friends, mm-hmm. uh, even though they disagree with each other. What I hear from this is like, these people struggle to get along at all times and they're not like one big happy family by the end of it is is what I'm told. So Which could be cool if they do it right. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, you know, it, it will it could be cool to see like a group of superheroes that don't get along but are working together to, you know, for a common enemy. Common enemy, yeah. Uh but it can also be bad if they don't know how to do it. <laughs> um so number one, they used Come As You Are by Nirvana for the trailer, which yeah was awesome and kind of setting the mood mm-hmm. a little bit. And they showed a lot of cool stuff in here. They showed, yeah. apparently Jessica Jones has found herself in a lot of trouble with Misty Knight. Yeah. I think. And by the way, it was just so cool to see some of these people intermingling, right? Like there's Misty yeah. Knight questioning somebody and you're like, oh, who's she questioning? And like, oh shit, it's Jessica Jones. Yeah. And then a door, there's like a knock at the door and then a dude walks in and you're like, oh my God, it's Matt Murdock. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Jessica Jones, stop talking. I'm Matt Murdock. I'm your, I'm your uh, attorney or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, already I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that shot of uh, the Iron Fist punching, punching Luke, Cage. Luke Cage. Yeah. Oh, that was good. So, so cool. Uh, he's like, I'm the immortal Iron Fist. Luke Cage is like, what? <laughs> You're what now? Um, 
Uh, of course, there was a hallway scene. Yeah. With all, I mean, because that's like the staple of these Marvel Netflix mm-hmm. shows is hallway fights. But it looked cool. They, they were all cool. yeah. beating up bad guys yeah. all like yeah. one at a time. Danny Rand is like bouncing off walls and Luke yeah. Cage is throwing people through him and Jessica's throwing people through glass. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got that bit at the end where they do this a lot in superhero team up movies where you have one guy, in this case it's Danny, like kind of crudely and inaccurately describing the team. It's like blind ninja, bulletproof guy, whatever you are, Jessica Jones. <laughs> Cause Jessica's like more of a, I guess she's, they never really mentioned it, but she's like an inhuman. Or what they used to call mutants before Fox acquired uh, uh, the X-Men, right? So there are no mutants in the MCU. They're inhumans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But presumably that is what Jessica is. Um, So there, yeah, there's, and you've got Stick kind of talking about all the characters. It's, uh, and he is presumably the guy who brings them all together. But um, this looked excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited. Oh, and we didn't even mention, because I don't know if they... Well, they did show it in the trailer. Electra's back. Yeah, but she so, was kind of like, uh, I don't know, like uh, sleeping or like, uh, right? Well, she was... She Didn't she... I thought she died at the end of season two of Daredevil. But, it, but she didn't seem dead. Hmm. In that, in that trailer. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I think the idea here is like the hand brings her back. Okay. Like, they mm-hmm. do the whole Harold Meacham deal to her. Okay. And she's, like, you know, immortal now, maybe, or something? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You have immortal to cremate like her. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's how to do it. <laughs> Just toss her off a building. It's not that hard. Um, but, yeah, this looked awesome, I thought. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I'm super excited for this. Um, so, obviously, that's when we're going to come back uh, for the next episode of Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. But... Before we bid you adieu, we need to talk a little bit about the latest big MCU movie release, which was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Aurora and I have both seen it. Um, what? Uh, so what were your thoughts? Well, I guess what are your general thoughts on the movie first? Mm-hmm. How do you think it compared to the first one? That sort of thing. I still think that the first one is, is better. Mm-hmm. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, Same here. So I know, I, blasphem- I know that's blasphemy to uh, to some like Winter Soldier fan, and Winter Soldier is amazing as well. Uh, but... It's a great movie, but uh, hey, I, I I I can't have a favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, look, it, I I uh, in fact, I think the year it came out when we did our end of the year awards, it was like my favorite movie of the year over some of the other dramas and stuff yeah. that I had seen. So yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, so you know because it's my favorite movie, it's hard for me to see another movie that will top it. Yeah. Um, it it was Guardians of the Galaxy two was good, um, but I I still think the first one was better. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is this is gonna sound hyperbolic, so I can't help it because Guardians, um, like in, look until JJ came out with his Star Wars movie, like that Guardians movie, like this is the Star Wars movie I've been waiting for forever. <laughs> like it just gave you that sense of wonder and magic, and mm-hmm. it was just so creative and different looking. And it was, you know, the way they the way they weaved in like all of the the music and stuff. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was great, but uh, like a like a really great movie. But I consider Guardians One to be as close to a perfect movie. Yeah. As 
as you can get for uh, a species that is inherently flawed. Uh, <laughs> that's as close to perfect as we can get, at least for me. Yeah. Um, the uh, and, and look, both movies had their advantages. Uh, the first movie had the advantage of showing you everything that James Gunn had in mind for this universe. He's, he has the advantage of that being the first time you get to experience all of that. So the second time you get it, there's not as much awe and wonder and like right. what's around the next corner. Right. Because you kind of got a sense of the world. And you can't recreate that sort of lightning in a bottle thing. Yeah. The second but, I do, movie... but I do feel like in the first movie, they did a really good job of making you care about these characters a lot. Mm-hmm. So seeing them the second time is like, oh my gosh, they're here. Hey. Yes. <laughs> and the thing the second movie has an, an advantage over the first is that you get to do way deeper character stuff that you can't right. do when you're introducing people. You can do mm-hmm. some. Like, like to me, there is no... Um, to me, I was just in love with the tool of, like, Peter Quill has, like, the Walkman. Yeah. With the tape that his mom gave him. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's his sole connection to his mom and to earth and to where he's from so it's like the silly thing it's like a walkman with a cassette and music but like since that's his only connection it's this incredibly important thing to him like the music has so much meaning to him the walkman has is so important because it's like the vessel that allows him to play the music yeah you know that sort of thing and um I, i i just find like little things like that to be so cool and like little character bits, but they were able to obviously go so much deeper in this movie. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, we should start with first, like what did you, um, what did, were there, were there things you disliked in this movie? Like stuff that you just could have done without? Um, not a lot. I just felt some, in some instances that they were trying too hard Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, you've definitely got to do like the, you know, there's there's always like the things that you fall into with sequels of is, you know, there's something people love from the first one. We're going to do it again, but bigger. Right. And That's I feel sort of like, you know, uh, what made the first one so great is that everybody, you know, if, if each character was like enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if, if I'm making sense in this one. I felt like the characters were doing more yeah. than they should to be likable. Mm-hmm. When, if we we're going to see the movie, we already like these characters. You don't have to make them yeah. likable again. There was some stuff that I was worried that they were going to fall in, like the so they. And by the way, spoilers. By the way, it should be inherently obvious if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to be spoiled. Please stop listening mm-hmm. now. click click the x button we won't be mad um come back and listen afterwards um so obviously like like dancing groot was like all of 30 seconds of the credits but it kind of became like this iconic part of the movie and so naturally it's like well they're gonna have to do like a dancing groot thing in this movie and i the weird thing is in any other context, I would have I would have said they overdid it, mm-hmm. but the way they the way they staged it was was like clever in two different ways to the point where I was just like, well, I've just got to hand it to them. That was great. Yeah, I mean, I, it was really good that first scene um, because yes, it's dancing Groot, but you have this whole fight 
going on in the background. background. Yeah, uh, it was great. That, that they're not focusing on at all. They're fighting this giant squid <laughs> monster thing. Right. And there's bodies flying everywhere and rockets and people shooting mm-hmm. and just craziness happening all in the background. And there's no focus on that at all. So I'm like, okay, number one, that's cool and interesting. And number two, it was a callback to the opening of the last Guardians movie where it's Chris Pratt dancing around mm-hmm. while they're doing the doing the thing. So it was a callback to that. I think may, maybe it was a little too much that they went back and redid the Drax joke where he stares at Groot and Groot like freeze frames yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until Drax leaves. Like it's cute and funny, but I'm also like, but that's the same exact thing. They Like were they just trying to recreate right. the thing they did from the last movie? Right. It's oh, I was so torn and like it's cute, mm-hmm. and you know what a you know adorable callback. But at the same time, it's like I, after having watched it, it's like oh, I thought maybe they you know they probably didn't have to do that. It would yeah. have been fine if they didn't bother to do that joke. Um, there are a couple of things that did stick out to me that I, I actively kind of don't like. Although mm-hmm. fortunately, they're not big things. Is it uh, young Kurt Russell? <laughs> no, that didn't really bother me. Uh, by the way, according to Aaron, he said that that's Kurt Russell and they didn't do any makeup. What? Or no, well, they didn't do any CG. Like it was all okay, makeup. Okay, so it was stuff. all makeup. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. To me, it looked like bad CG, actually. But <laughs> apparently, it just, was just had a lot of makeup. It was just a lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, no, it was. T- I feel like they did. A couple too many, like, character reveal moments while there's, like, you got two characters just sitting alone, bearing their souls while there's sad piano music in the background. And I felt like we got, like, three of those in this movie, which is, like, probably two too many. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really wanted to, I mean, they did it with Yondu, they did it with, uh, um, I think they did it with Chris Pratt. I think they did one with Drax. Yeah. Um, and I know they're trying to do, like, trying to tell these touching moments, but um, it was just so weird to see, like, Yandu, like, the character of Yandu sitting there with, like, the sad piano music in the background mm-hmm. playing, telling this story. Uh, I don't know. That stuff didn't really sit with me. Although, oddly enough, like, some of the character moments they had later in the movie I thought were tremendously effective. So these are, like, minor things. And here's another thing. This one is really minor. It's it's a weird minor thing, but it really grated on me for some reason. Okay. They had Drax laugh so much in this movie. <laughs> yes. I felt like I heard him laugh a dozen times. And <laughs> and it's supposed to be this, you know, because Drax is this big verbose character, so he's got this really overbearing laugh. Right. And I didn't realize how overbearing it was until I heard it a hundred times in this movie. <laughs> and it's like, he's like, ah, ha, 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 at yeah. everything. And I'm just like, okay, this is a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love Dave Batista. I and agree he had with some that. Of, and he had some of the best moments in this movie yep. as he did in the last movie as well. But, okay, enough of that. Uh, obviously, there's not a whole lot else. I know there's some people that thought maybe um, the story was too predictable Although, um, I, I, to me, that ego ends up being the bad guy was not predictable to me, or not, or was predictable. Like that, that seemed. Yeah, you could see it coming. I felt like that was you could see that one coming. Yeah, but the movie suckered me in enough. I was suckered in enough that when they did the big evil twist reveal thingy, 
Like, I knew he was going to end up being the bad guy, but they got me hook, line, and sinker when he revealed that he's the one that put the tumor in. in yeah, that surprised his, me too. Yeah. And his mom. Yeah. I was just like, you know, oh, maybe being around him, like she contracted cancer or something. Yeah. Like something. But I, for some reason, I didn't see the obvious bit that he's the one that did it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess I saw him as being like. I, I guess I saw him as being like an evil, not 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 like a, not like a pure evil character, just like somebody who was like a god who saw everybody else's. They just right. weren't that important. Right. He wasn't going out of his way to be a mustache twirler. Right. But then, like he then he grew a really big mustache and started twirling it. And I'm like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that I did not see coming. Um, I did. I, don't, I did not like the. Um how how the story was told like he had this big um i don't know if they were like screens or it was just projections and every he he told the story of how he met uh quill's mom this through this more... series of like images and i i yeah. thought it was that was a lot that too much they went through an awful lot through yeah. there right yeah yeah but then that was like kind of like a big reveal later on where he Reveals like you know, Star Lord is not his only child. Right. He impregnated women throughout the galaxy, and the, so that's like the big thing, right? Star Lord mm-hmm. carries part of his genes, like yeah. the uh, the godlike abilities or whatever, and that's what makes him special. Uh, and he had all of these other children brought to him. Yandu brought all these other children to him, mm-hmm. and none of them had the genes, and he supposedly humanely put them out of their misery. Right. I guess. And right. um, Star-Lord is the only one who... Uh, I, I just thought that was an awesome scene. Because mm-hmm. there was no hesitation as soon as he said, I didn't want to have to put that tumor in her head. Yeah. He just pulled out his guns and started shooting the crap out of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was no hesitation. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Um, But I, I don't even know where to begin. There's so many great moments in this. So many... There's a lot of jokes that landed so good with me. Yeah, I like uh, I like all the scenes uh, that had Nebula in them. Oh, Karen Gillan was she really was great. Good. Yeah. Yes, and she was so you know, you know, she's a villain. She was so serious all the time, but she had a lot of funny moments as well, just by being like, herself. <laughs> yeah, eating the not ripe fruit. Yes. That sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely some of that stuff. Or like when Drax and uh, Mantis are like, whatever their relationship is, they're just idiots. Yeah. And they cut to Nebula, who's like, I can't believe I'm stuck with these idiots. But she <laughs> does it all in her facial expression. Right. Um, I can't believe I'm captured by these fools. Yeah. Um, there are so many great jokes. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that landed. Like all the stuff with Taserface. That was great, too. I love yeah. Taserface. Yep. Like I, I, I kind of fell in love with some of like the weird Ravager Ravager characters, like Craglin and Taserface yeah. <laughs> are great. Um there's one there's one with like the weird googly glasses whose name is Jeff spelled G E F. Yeah. <laughs> um there's there's so many awesome ones. Uh there there's one bit it, it made me laugh way more than it should have, I guess. Cause I'm a nerd about such things, but uh so there's a bit where ego crushes his Walkman mm-hmm. crushes Star-Lord's Walkman. And like later on, 
you know, Craglin's like, oh, we got, you know, it's not your, it's not your old thing, but we found this like, you know, junking around. It's like, I hear everybody on earth using it now. It's called a Zune. Yeah. I almost peed myself laughing <laughs> that he handed him a Microsoft Zune. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I had one at one point, and I'm like, "Oh man, they're really going to show the uh, they're going to show the iPod who's bit, you know, who's boss around here." Here comes the Zune. Watch it. It like lasted a year or something. <laughs> uh, and he's like, "It can." There's like a hundred songs on here, and he's like, "Oh my god, a hundred songs!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a Zune. Oh, it just made me laugh so hard. But there's a, uh, I don't even know where to begin with. Um, jokes um, well i i I've, now I'm, I'm remembering something i was going to mention for iron fist because mm-hmm. we had the obligatory stanley uh appearance uh yes. and he was in a planet with some aliens like <laughs> just talking the watchers. to watchers i'm sorry the watchers mm-hmm. that's um, who these characters are but did you see the stanley reference in the iron fist episode i i, I saw his face on a Poster. poster, yeah, it was an NYPD poster. Yes, yeah. Um, so, do you know the story about the Stanley cameo in this movie? No. So, his he was officially credited in the credits as Watcher Informant. <laughs> okay. And this basically seal there. There is this really wacky theory out there. Because he makes all these cameos in all these different movies. And he's doing cameos in different roles, right? He's like a mm-hmm. FedEx guy. And he's, he's specifically, he's like, oh, and this, and he's doing it in the scene. He's like, this one time I was a FedEx guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sewn it all together. There's the theory that um, he is sent to Earth by the Watchers to observe events. And he is playing the same character in every Marvel movie that he's in. He's just observing things from a different perspective in each cameo so it's not just a random stan lee cameo he's actually he the purpose. same character yeah. yes that's mind-boggling that, to me that's that they amazing did this. yeah i like this i like that it's it's the fact that somebody's like hey how about we take the stan lee cameos and turn it into an actual character that's like canon yeah. in the universe is so ridiculous cool, to me yeah. i love it yeah it's hard it's hard to not love that um <laughs> There's a, I mean, this, oh, the bit with Yandu at the end where he's like, you look like Mary Poppins. He says to him and he's like, he's like, is, and he goes, is he cool? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's cool. And he goes, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> oh my great. God. It was so brilliant. <laughs> um, there's, there's a, there's a lot of really great. Yeah. Like, I really, I really moments. love the scene when um, Rocket and uh, Yandu are in that uh, prison so mm. and they're trying to have uh, Groot get the fin. <laughs> and Groot, that made though, me so, laugh so much. So for those who don't realize, so Groot, baby Groot, is now the way I I heard tell it explained to me was that he is a legit baby. Right. He doesn't. He does not have the memories of grown up Groot right. from the first movie. He is a baby. So yeah. like when you explain to him. And I know this for a fact because his behavior in the beginning as a person who's had two babies uh, is very baby-like. Like he was dancing one moment and then got distracted by some flying bug thing mm-hmm. and then went back to dancing and then attacked some weird mole creature yeah. and went back to dancing. And then there's one bit that reminded me, like a lot of parents will get this. They'll be in the middle of doing something. And in this case, 
Um, it was Gamora was shooting at this thing, and she sees Groot, and she's like, "Get out of here, Groot! You're gonna get hurt!" And then Baby Groot just waves at her. Yeah, <laughs> and she goes, "Hi!" And That's then she, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> like she acknowledges the hi, and it's like I have personally been like not in that exact situation, obviously, but in situations where I'm trying to do something and my like a little tiny two or three year old will just be like, hello. And I'm like, hi, daddy needs to finish vacuuming. Please go back to like playing with your crayons. Um, yep. So I've, I've been there, but uh, so baby Groot is literally a baby. They're trying to explain yep. to him this fin, like how to get it. And they, I thought they ran the risk of going, cause you can always run these things too long and then they stop being funny. Right, right. Fortunately for them, it got funnier and funnier yep. as it went. It was great. He brought he brought back a desk uh, with <laughs> screeching on the floor. He brought back like a severed toe. Yes. And Rocket's like, please tell me you keep like a drawer somewhere of like severed human toes. <laughs> Yandu's like, no. And he's like, we'll never talk about this again. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many, just so many cute little moments. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is, um, a, they did a lot with Yandu in this movie. A lot, yeah. Like a ton. And... They and he had two really great moments. He had the because Rocket was, I mean, Rocket was an asshole in the first movie, mm-hmm. but he was way more assholey in this movie. Yeah, me. he was. Yeah, like he was just doing his best to push people away, and like he had this, you know, come into Jesus moment, as as some people call it, with Yandu, where you know Rocket's like, "You don't know who I am." And then Yandu basically explains that he knows exactly who he is because you know they're the same. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like you know, he knows this kind of person, the background you came from. Yeah, you know, you know everything that you've done up into this, everything you've experienced. Like that's why you are who you are. You want to push people away. You're afraid to let people get too close to you. That sort of thing. You know, I know who you are because I'm you. That that deal. That was so awesome. Yeah, and it was such a great and touching moment. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was a blue dude with a giant red mohawk talking to a <laughs> raccoon wearing pants. <laughs> And it's like, how do they do this to me? Aurora? Yeah, yep. Um, it's crazy how like you just forget about those things. Mm-hmm. They it's, they stop being like, you know. And that's the beauty of this, though. Like they stop being those things. They just yeah. are real characters to you in that moment. Um, obviously, uh, they uh, and James Gunn said he didn't want to do this at first. He was talking about not doing this all throughout. Um, but at the end of the day, decided. That a character had to die. It was Yandu. He wanted yeah. a character to die because he wanted there to be stakes, mm-hmm. uh, and it had to be a character that people were familiar with. Um, now, and I'm guessing that's why he focused so much on him in this movie, uh, because he was like a focus of the last movie, yeah, like in a background kind of way. And they really brought it to the forefront here, and um, you know, it was it was one of those, um, you know, Peter Quill's was has been looking for his father and he finally found him but it's you know it's like the um it's like the dad who raised you mm-hmm. might not be your biological father right might be your adoptive father but he's your father like he's your dad is the person who raises you it's mm-hmm. not the person who donated genetic material to your existence yeah you know if they're not in your life if they're not around they're just not your father right it's the person who raised you who is and they have these weird, really weird roundabout ways of making it touching. 
Like, he told this story, apparently he told Gamora this story when he was drunk about how he used to tell his friends that his dad was David Hasselhoff. Oh my god, yes. And David was, Hasselhoff does a, a cameo. I, that blew me away. Because, <laughs> like, while he's arguing with Ego, like, Ego can turn into whatever he wants. Right. And for a bit, he turns into David Hasselhoff to, like, great. mock him. And I'm like, holy crud. <laughs> like, I knew David Hasselhoff does, like, the weird disco song at the end. Mm-hmm. I knew he yeah, did that, yeah, yeah. but I did not know he had showed up in this movie. <laughs> um, but so he does, he does, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, I don't even remember what I was talking about now. Uh, but anyway, it was, uh, you know, he, he's completely ends up being disappointed by uh, Ego. And, yeah. and, oh, right, right, right. He was telling the story about David Hasselhoff, mm-hmm. about how his, uh, he was telling his friends that, you know, his dad was never around because he was always shooting Knight Rider. Right. Uh, and after Yandu dies, and they do what turned out to be an inc- surprisingly to me, incredibly touching Ravager funeral. It was great. Yeah. I don't know why it hit me like right in the heart. Yeah. When they when they did it, like when they all showed up at the end mm-hmm. to like to show him off. I'm like, holy cow, why is this affecting me so much? <laughs> I don't, I have no idea why, but they, you know, that's, that's the magic of, that's the magic of movies. They, for whatever reason, they know, how, James Gunn knows how to push my buttons, I guess. I mean, I think it's because, you know, throughout the movie, you, you appreciate Yondu more and more. Um, and you yeah. realize that he's not a bad guy. He's actually a good guy. Um, and yeah. I think that's maybe why it was so he's got emotional. A, he's got a, yeah, he's he's like the Ravager with a heart of gold. Right, right. Um, you know, he means well. Yeah. But, I mean, he said it himself. It's like when he, right before he saves Peter to, like, sacrifice himself, he's like, you know, I've never done anything right in my entire life. Mm-hmm. you got to give me this thing to, yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they're doing, like, the the funeral, like, aboard the, the Milano mm-hmm. before any of the other Ravagers show up. And it's kind of like this, you know, the only way... Like, only Chris Pratt could deliver this. It's, like, it's touching, but it's also kind of, like, a dorkably goofy mm-hmm. eulogy. How, you know, he's like, I used to tell people the story about, um, you know, wanting my dad to be David Hasselhoff. And he's like, he's like you know, Yandu, like, flew a spaceship and right. he fought robots and, like, all this other stuff. And he's like, I guess my dad was David Hasselhoff after all. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. And it's like... That is so goofy and weird and so sweet at the same time. Mm-hmm. They just have a way of of doing that. James Gunn is like a really good writer. Yeah, I don't know how he. I don't know how. Like, if people have not seen his movie Super with uh, Rain Wilson, yeah, yeah, Ghost, it's like it's, it's a great. way darker movie than this. It's like a it's like a much darker like a, a far grimmer right, right. gallows humor type movie, uh, but it is excellent yeah. as well. He's just a really good writer when it comes to this mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, all the kudos in the world for yeah. for this movie. Do you have anything else you'd like to add about uh, your Guardians experience before we get on out of here? Um, I, I like the uh, Mantis character. Um, I thought yeah, she was so, really sweet and uh, dorky. <laughs> yes. So did you see there were – now, There did you read that there is some backlash about this character? Why? Okay, so – uh, people looked at, and it's probably in the way the makeup is done and her voice and her character. But a lot of people said that they saw like what they consider to be like the stereotypical submissive Asian 
character, mm. I guess. I can kind of see it a little I can, bit. I, I can see that that point of view, um, but... but she's also she's also explained that she was basically like a podling, right? When Ego found her and he's like raised her on this planet alone mm-hmm. to base it, and Ego is a god, more yeah, or less. And, you know, and she, if you think about it, she was essential for them to defeat Ego. Oh yeah, she put she can put him to sleep, right? Yeah. So she's socially awkward because she grew up on a planet right. all by herself with a god who basically treated her like a puppy mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, you know, how would you treat an ant, you know, if you had it in your house? Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. Right. I mean, and you have dogs and you love your dogs uh, to pieces, but I'm relatively certain you don't give them like, you know, if your husband needs something, you're not like, well, the dog's needs are more important than your needs. Uh, oh wow <laughs> i hope he doesn't listen to this podcast no no it's of like, course not like aurora i've broken my leg i need to get to the hospital and you're like hold on lupe needs to be fed <laughs> i hope that doesn't happen no that doesn't happen okay um maybe that was a bad analogy i don't know but um but i i can just kind of see like that's how her character would grow up i don't think it was you know, I think some people think like, oh, my God, they're doing the Asian submissive stereotype. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that's what they were going for at all. I think they were going for, I think they were trying to go for innocent. Yeah. Like, very innocent. And, like, so innocent, she made Drax look like a theologian yeah. uh, by comparison. And in some ways, uh, he did. <laughs> he was almost even sweet to her at the end. Yeah. And he's like. <laughs> And he's like, and I want you to know that you are beautiful on the, on the inside. Because <laughs> he considers her to be hideous. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because Drax is, of course, the ugliest looking one, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there was, uh, so there was a, there was a lot of that goodness. You know, I will say this: there's one thing that surprised me about this movie, uh, given the craze over Baby Groot. Um, you know, like everybody saw him at the end of Guardians 1. They're like, oh my god, he's so adorable and cute. And then they showed the trailer for this movie. And they somehow made him look even cuter. Yep. I figured this was going to be wall-to-wall baby Groot. He was going to be involved in everything. And I, and they, he, he is a key involved figure. He's like the one that sets off the bomb that right. eventually blows up Ego. Um, and he does have a big scene in the middle where he goes to get the fin, like, played for comedy. And he does have the big bit at the beginning of the movie. But right. I thought I thought it was going to be way more Baby Groot, and they didn't, which I think is good. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. That could have been, that could have been disastrous if they're like, no, we have to sell, toy sales are more important right, right. than your movie, and we need to plaster this movie with Baby Groot. Yep. Um, and I'm happy, I'm happy they did not. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, we we completely glossed over the fact that Sylvester Stallone is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, as best I can tell, because I don't think they go out of their way to be like, you know, here's this guy's name, here's this person's name. Right. He's also heavily involved in a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure most of the people in my theater are like, who are those people and what's happening? Yeah. I have no idea who they are. Me um, neither. Okay, um, so they are playing characters. Um, Sylvester Stallone's character is Starhawk, but there are the rest of those people at the end 
are all characters. They were the OG Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic book. I see. Those are like the original characters. I think in this universe, they're Ravagers. Maybe mm-hmm. they're a group of Ravagers. But in the comics, those are the characters that made up the original Guardians. Uh, including that talking helmet that sounded like Gordas from yeah, Tales, yeah, of yeah. The, Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, which was mainframe, and that was voiced by Miley Cyrus. Oh, really? Which blew my mind. Huh. Yeah, she sounded like Gordas from Tales from yeah, the Borderlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss you guys so much, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that sounds like Gordas. Um, I I have to say this. I I need if you're gonna put Sylvester Stallone in a scene, I need subtitles. I cannot <laughs> understand what little, he's saying. He did have a little bit of the the congested sylvester <laughs> yes. voice going a little bit <laughs> at least he didn't get at least he didn't get weepy and cry he's really hard to understand when he's crying <laughs> over things uh there's like a i think there's like a bit in rambo or whatever where he's like sobbing uncontrollably <laughs> saying things and i have no idea what he's saying <laughs> can't make out a word but um it's just crazy to me that he was in here yeah uh they did a lot of post-credit scenes aurora a lot this. um one of the the biggest one was that the gold people, whose species I can't remember their name anymore. Uh, sovereign? Sovereign. Is, are they just called the Sovereign? I think so. Okay. Um, they they are mad at the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Mostly because Rocket called the their leader a douchebag and then stole some of their batteries. Right. And this is high treason crime. And they tried to kill them over and over again with their uh, remote-controlled... <laughs> spaceships right. uh, that constantly got destroyed. Ironically, twice they got they got massively wiped out twice. Yes, but it was like, a good idea. I mean, that's that's oh, yeah, pretty that's cool. To you know, to save your your soldiers, yes. uh, sending like a remote controlled. I like that the ships have video screens on them, yeah. so you can see who's piloting them. Yeah. Like, I don't know what. I mean, it's neat, but why would you need to do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the person in the other ship can see the person who's killing you, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> um, but they failed on multiple attempts, and there's a big reveal in one of the post credit scenes that they've created somebody, mm-hmm. something, to handle the Guardians. And all they say is that his name is Adam, but obviously they're talking about Adam Warlock, right. who is a huge Marvel Cosmic Universe character mm-hmm. that they teased, I think, a little bit, a tiny bit in the first movie. And James Gunn even said that uh he actually Adam Warlock actually had a part in this movie uh and i think a lot of people think that the second wave of sovereign ships uh that attacks on ego's planet was actually supposed to be Adam Warlock alone attacking really uh but they took that he took that out because presumably he has bigger plans for him in the third movie which he's already working on okay so and James Gunn by the way has also said that the third movie will be his last movie and that it will be the last iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy in this form. Okay. So the team will probably change after the third movie. Um, and obviously things are going to change anyway, because all, all that stuff is going to take place after Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Which the Guardians are also in. So, um, Although I'm told they, they play more of a background role. Okay. As they, as they probably should. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Although part of me was kind of hoping that Thanos ends up being killed by Gamora and uh, Nebula working together. Yeah, I think that would actually that would be, be that would actually be awesome. There was that great line where she's talking about how Thanos would every time she'd lose to Gamora, he'd take a part from mm-hmm. her and replace it with robotics. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, and they had that sisterly moment at the end. Yeah. Where Nebula almost had emotions, yeah. kind of, a yeah. little bit. That was really great as well. There's so many great things about this yeah, movie. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, where the, where the movie was headed was predictable, but I don't care about predictability, man. When you go into when you go into these movies, predictability should be the, yeah, the furthest I, thing I mean, from your mind as far as I'm the concerned. The most important thing for me is to have fun. And I had a yeah. lot of fun watching this movie. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, I went into the first Avengers movie knowing that there's going to be some aliens. The Avengers are going to – it's going to look grim for about two minutes and then the Avengers are going to kick the shit out of them, and then they're going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, I so I'm not stunned when that's how the movie turns out. I kind of care about how they get from right. the opening credits to the end credits. I just want to see how they get there. Yep. That's what I'm interested in. Tell me the story. Tell me the tale of how they get from the beginning to the end. I know how it's going to end. Like, I knew how Titanic was going to end. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to sit through James Cameron's love story because... You know, I don't care about the I, the iceberg. That's a given. But let me know how this begins, and let me know. You know, I want to see how it. You know, how do they get there? Yeah. You know, tell me that story. So, uh, I didn't have a problem with the predictability. I wanted. Uh, I think they. I think a couple of times they came close to going over the edge. Right. Uh, like over overdoing the big, the big huge sequel. Thing yeah. A couple of times, but for the most part, I feel like they reeled it in where they needed to reel it in, and. Most of the jokes landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, like for for me, like something that didn't really hit all that hard, which sort of hit me as a little sophomoric, I guess was, and it's going to sound so weird because I'm really not, I'm really not so as uptight, but there seemed to be like a lot of dick jokes in this movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and it's like, look, I like Kevin Smith. I like Kevin Smith movies, and those are like nothing but like dick jokes mostly. Um, and I, for some reason, they just didn't land for me. Yeah, here yeah. I don't know why. Like I like Dra- like, and they mostly came from Drax, and the whole idea is like Drax's culture is way less uh, hindered yeah, about yeah. sexuality. He's like, my parents would tell me the story of my conception, like yeah, yeah, every yeah. winter solstice or whatever, and you know. We're like, eh, weird. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> um, you know, but he's like, you have a penis? And he's like, yes, I do, as a matter yeah, of fact. And yeah. it's not too bad. And I'm just like, eh, it's kind of funny a little bit. But, you know, it's. I had like more, like more of one of those like chuckles where you can't tell if you're chuckling or coughing. <laughs> it just, they, they just didn't really land. Those jokes didn't really land. Like the jokes about like his sensitive nipples. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't really hit me the first time. The second time, it, they got a laugh out of me. Because the first time, they're like, you know, why aren't you wearing the rocket thingy? Like, right at the beginning of the movie, and he's like, I have sensitive nipples. Yeah, but the second time, he's and actually then, screaming. Yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, and then Rocket's like, ah, you have sensitive nipples, ha, ha, ha. And I, I wasn't getting a laugh out of me. Yeah. It was weird. It was like, the, I felt like they were forcing me into, like, a joke that I didn't want to laugh at. Yeah, yeah. But then they do the bit later where somebody pu- just puts it on Drax. He doesn't know that they put it on him. And then, like the thing forms around him and he takes off and you just hear him go, "Ah, oh, my nipples." <laughs> and they got a laugh out of me. Yeah. Like they the second one paid off, I guess. So um so yeah, there was some stuff that didn't quite land. They bordered you know, it was not as good as 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 the first movie, but you know, sometimes I feel like people take that if you say that and they're like, oh, so you're saying it was bad. No, That's not yeah, what we're no. saying. It was really good. Yeah. The first movie is just that much better. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard to you know it's hard to do it's you know it's hard to reach those levels yeah you it's when you capture lightning in a bottle like that it's hard to do it twice like i feel like they they captured a different kind of lightning in a different shaped bottle for yeah. this movie it's yeah. it's you know it, it wasn't as good as the first effort but you know it's kind of like how i like the hobbit movies but they're never going to be they're never going to be lord of the rings to me at all mm-hmm. like they can't even come close uh, I feel like the stories were better and the experiences, like you can only experience that gigantic scale and be blown away by it once for the first time. Uh, you know, so I kind of look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would watch it again. Oh, sure. So yeah. um, that's how much I loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is this is probably... In, well, I mean, there's so many MCU movies at this point. This is definitely in my top ten. I don't know where I would rank it in my top ten of MCU movies. But it's definitely in the top ten mm-hmm, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, that'll be something we'll have to look at sometime. That's a horribly flawed and incredibly decisive we'll have to do sometime because there are more than enough MCU movies. Ooh, there's to do so this many. With. <laughs> uh, we're due on that, and we're due on Star Wars as well. There's actually enough Star Wars movies now to do. Uh, to do one of those over. Oh, so. I, I remember something. I like the um, Howard the Duck cameo. Oh, there was Howard the Duck cameo <laughs> in the like in Space Vegas, yes, or whatever it was, the Space <laughs> Casino Planet or whatever. And he did some sort of like, once you go duck, you never go back. Right, or like once, right. Did he say once you go quack, you never go back? Something Is that like what he that. said? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, they they really don't care. It's like, oh, you thought we were playing with you. When we put Howard the Duck in a post-credit scene, now we're putting him right in a movie. (laughs) There's Howard the Duck. Like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for, like, at the end of, like, Guardians 3. It's like our newest member, Howard the Duck. Uh, Oh, my God. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they come up with a Howard the Duck movie. (laughs) They they have to, like, make make the first one right. (laughs) They're kind of making him cool again over here. So, (laughs) Um, you know, they did... uh, uh, oh, and the other post credit scenes they did, they did Craglin messing around with Yondu's arrow, and he almost kills Drax. Yeah. Uh, they played that up for comedy. There was, of course, Teenage Groot. Yeah. Which my daughter squeed over. <laughs> She's like, he's a teenager now. Yeah. And he looks, and she looks over at Big Sis, and he's like, he's like you. <laughs> <laughs> which is not flattering, because, well, I'm actually, you know what, it's really not true. Cause, or No, it is true, actually. Because the oldest does have a pretty messy room, and her head is basically in a screen almost all day long, <laughs> like on YouTube or whatever. So it's a fairly accurate description, uh, and you know she's pretty sarcastic around me as well. So uh, yeah, they uh, they did a lot. Yep. Dangerously borderline close on too much, mm-hmm. but I think just they felt just within the safety zone. Yeah. So. Uh, what would you give? What would you give this movie if you had to score it, Aurora? Oh, like a four point eight. Oh wow! Yes, like you got really specific. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one for me is a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one is is close. It's not mm-hmm. five, but it's close. Yeah, I, I give it four. I give it four and a half. Okay. Uh, I loved it a bunch. Mm-hmm. It's super good. It's you know, it's not the first, and it's. You, know, you can't be the first. Yeah, I really like I really like Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. uh, and Age of Ultron is not the first Avengers. Right. Although I feel like in a lot of ways, Age of Ultron is a better movie because you could do more character stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then they went and did Civil War, which is a better Avengers movie than Avengers Two. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, 
quit pumping out so much stuff, Marvel. <laughs> don't, I mean, no, you, keep it coming. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see? Uh, did you see that there's uh, that uh, the gifted TV show from Brian Singer based in the X Men universe or something? Uh, you have not seen this yet. Oh. There's another show. This one's coming to Fox, and it's called Gifted. And Brian Singer is in charge of it, and it's in the X Men universe. Hmm. I guess. And it's like it looks like a teen drama. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, oh yeah, I know. Wah, wah. There's there's also Legion. I think that's a Marvel yeah, show. Yeah. There's this Inhuman show that's coming out. I don't know how much of this we're going to be able to cover, if any, Aurora. Yeah. But, uh, we may just be sticking to Netflix and the movies for the time being. <laughs> um, all right, so head on over to CinemaGeekly dot uh, com. You can check out the archives of. Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we're going to be taking a break for a little bit of time. Uh, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. and hit subscribe. But we will be back soon. A couple of months. A few months. It shouldn't say a couple. A couple implies two. It'll be more than two. But Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. will return sometime in August to discuss the first two episodes of Marvel's the Defenders. I think it's... God, I hope it's in August. <laughs> it says August 18th here. All right. Okay. <laughs> <sighs>